0: <laughs> I, should we do it again All right. yeah miss? let's do a clap give me a clap <laughs> okay uh, it's like rock it's on shoot rock paper scissors on shoot okay rock paper scissors I thought you were going to say shoot and
1: then I was going to clap but I got it oh, it's close enough okay
0: uh, it's fine we'll, I'll fix it later Why do you, shoot? Later. What do you I, shoot I don't even know how much is the lasers. is this some American thing your, with guns your move it's American <laughs> <laughs> You shoot your move. So I've done say. that
1: so many times with kids. It's like, is it on scissors? Is it on shoot? Is it after shoot? Um, but whatever. Is it on
2: three <laughs> or after three? Genuinely, <laughs> yeah. we don't say shoot ever. It's scissors, paper, rock. That's how it's it done. Whoa. Wait a minute. You say, oh, I mean, it's backwards. Of course you'd do
1: it backwards as an Australian. That's fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's on rock. Um, have you guys ever <laughs> seen these Shakti mats or acupressure mats? No. They're, they're, they're foam pads with plastic spikes sticking out of them. And I got hooked on them oh, years ago, maybe like three or four years ago. Every weekend, I lie He's... down w- without a shirt on on this spiky mat for about half an hour. And it it hurts, but it is a really good kind of pain. And I always feel so good about it afterwards and just recently in fact even now for this podcast I've put one under my desk and I'm just like standing on it and putting my feet on it and uh, it's a really interesting sort of fidgety sensation. I have never heard of
1: these. I use a mat when I'm standing and I like just the cushion of it but I imagine it just gives your toes something to do which is a funny thing to say but
0: um, how much do these cost? I'm Let's see here. It's like 30 bucks oh. for something to lay on it looks like. It looks like there's like a pillow like it's foam and padded but then it has spikes on it.
2: Yeah, I don't use the pillow this version. Like I use one that goes all seen. the way across my back from like the top of my shoulders down to the bottom of my back and it just like digs spikes right in there after I roll off it. I've just got dots all over my back. And I don't know if I go for the whole, like, acupressure and what do you call it? Like, you know, there's spots in your foot that relate to your kidney or your gut or whatever. I don't know if I buy into all of that. But, man, I find these uh, acupressure mats so relaxing. You've got to try one. It hurts, especially the first few times. But after you get used to it, it's this weird, painful, but relaxing sensation.
0: This sounds like another way self-help gurus have found to torture us. First it was ice baths <laughs> and now it's spike mats. <laughs> so what's <next>? exactly.
1: <laughs> I use a uh, Josiah. My brother left with a Thera gun at my house that he used to have. He's just leaving it here mm-hmm. since he's traveling. And it's one of those um massage guns that you hold and you know, it like you can use it on your leg or someone can use it on your back and it oh, the TheraGuns. Like, yes, <laughs> it is fantastic. Yeah. I've just been like going at my glutes and my thighs after my runs. It it hurts a lot, but I love how it feels. And then of course my kids get a hold of it and they start like trying to do it on their legs and they're giggling because it tickles them. Um, so that's not exactly the same <laughs> thing, but I like I love
0: the. It hurts a little bit, but afterward it feels great. I I have this new method. I'm gonna I have a screenshot window lined up on my recorder, and I'll screenshot every time I need to go fix something anyways let me know about that i'm curious yeah you know how uh like you screenshot how do you guys screenshot on your mac do you do shift command 4 i do shift command well i've hijacked this
1: actually this could actually be a topic for screenshots Uh, i use dropler so i've actually hijacked all my commands and it's different it's custom to me because i take a screenshot which records it so ignore whatever i use
0: oh fair enough no i just shift command 5 you can Create this little custom window so I don't have to like hit command shift command four and then like size my little window manually. I just go shift command five, enter, bam, done. Anyways, that's that. Okay, so uh, jumping into the episode, welcome everybody to Ultra Pro Max. Uh, This is the podcast where we talk about app development and the Apple ecosystem. Um, so we're going to jump right in today with a follow up from previously. Uh, Joshua, you're gonna, I'm gonna need a little, I'm gonna need some context on this because I forgot what this was a follow-up on anti-steering yeah we were talking about this last week that apple is
1: going to allow a single link from your app to your website to purchase and they'll then charge you 27 percent and i just wanted to follow up that after listening to several podcasts from other people in the tech industry reading um, articles following on mastodon pretty much all of them agree with me so I just it, had to say that.
2: Put that it out is there. True. Dunk, slam, and dunk. Can't, I mean, it's, it's still not an argument as to why you're right, but but it's validation. It <laughs> is true. It's, it, I have been very surprised that on Mastodon and in the blogging world and everything that people have been quite upset by this. I have been. Uh, Trying to espouse my particular point of view on Mastodon, but people aren't really keen on it. I still think I'm right, though. I I really do think I'm right. And here's how you can test it. Okay, people okay. are saying we don't like this, and I'm saying. Well, hold on. I think
0: I almost think we should like re rehash the opinion. Not totally rehash right. it, but a quick synopsis uh, of what Sadia,
1: your You want are. to take a synopsis
0: of it, and I'll uh, I trust you to uh, give the arguments. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so. This is about anti-steering. What's steering? Steering is the practice that Apple had until recently where it would not allow apps to direct their users to a website to pay. So if you have an app, you can't say, hey, you can buy this on our website. Uh, Or you can sign up on our website or whatever it is. It's all got to be in the app. You're not even allowed to say that you can't send them to their website. So. This... So Apple guarantees they're 30%, is that what it is? That's right. You've got to use so an in that purchase, exactly. Yeah. So with the Apple Epic court cases, I think things there mostly worked out in Apple's favor, except that the judge asked, in fairly vague terms, for Apple to ease up a little on the anti-steering restrictions in the App Store. So Apple did that, and the way they did that was a bit of a... Move, they said, okay. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Um, the way they did that was how else do you say that? How else do you say that? A vindictive, vindictive in bad faith, you could say. <laughs> uh, at least that's how it was perceived by a lot of people. And now you can send people to your website, but only via a special link which pops up a big scare sheet, uh, as I've heard it called, saying this is going to take you away from Apple and we're not responsible, all of that sort of thing. And basically, Apple is still going to take their commission. You can't get out of the Apple commission. You can send people to your website, but they're still going to take 27%. And so that was poorly received by the developer community, very poorly received, I think it's fair, fair to say. And my point on the previous podcast was that it shouldn't be poorly received. I think it's a completely reasonable position for Apple to take. And I'm happy to reiterate why I think that. But And, and Joshua thinks it's not. But I still haven't really heard why. Not from him, nor from anyone else, except to say that it, it's in bad faith, it's not nice, Apple should be nice to developers, which are not really arguments in my view.
1: What do you think, Sadia, is the is the best argument so i'll do basic debate class one on one. what do you think is the best argument for disagreeing with your stance and then i could try to make the best argument for agreeing with your stance i'd just be curious how you what, what you think a good faith argument could be
2: mm. it's it's hard because i think with this conversation we're not exactly talking a ag- Against each other directly. I'm trying to say something, and it seems like it's the opposite of what you're trying to say, but it's not actually. I think mm-hmm. one really good point that continually is made is that Apple needs developers for the Vision Pro. Apple are getting a lot of bad press from this, and they need good relationships with developers for the Vision Pro. That's a uh, completely reasonable point and developers are upset by this another really good point is that developers add a lot of value with their apps and the app ecosystem to apple's products and therefore apple should be kinder to them those probably that's the best the best faith argument i can make is that basically where you're coming from joshua I'm blanking
1: on something more clever at the moment, so I will concede that those are the best arguments that I'm aware of. And and to your point, so to be fair on my end, um, Apple has created this platform, right? They have built this. They have created the potential for businesses that could never have existed without it. They put in the work, they put in the research, they put in the marketing, and now this thing exists where so many tech companies are sitting on top of this platform, this technology stack. And so their thinking is well, we come from a history of something being pulled out from under us. We're not going to allow that to ever happen again. And the us controlling aspect both pays us back financially and allows us to have control over the best experience for users. And I think that's. If I imagine myself inside the company, I think that's where they're coming from and those are very fair points um, The tension for me comes from wondering where things go from here actually Sadia, this is the biggest this is the current scare tactic that I'm hearing developers talk about right now and I want to know if you think there's any validity to it. The fear is now that Apple will have an auditing arm, Going through and auditing the apps that go through this uh steering provision, they could start doing it for apps that already are reader apps and saying, "Hey, we actually want the rest of your money that's coming through we're going to retroactively do that. Do you think there's any validity to that fear that I'm starting to hear now
2: uh, no I, I i who knows really it's it's a a bit silly to be trying to this is the i think this caught apple by surprise i don't think that they're expecting it i don't think the solution that they put together is elegant i think it's incredibly inelegant and that's intentional the whole point of it is that they don't want people to do this they're, they're following it the letter of the legal possible. case they're
1: not trying yeah. to follow the spirit of it yes
2: but I can't see any case where a developer is actually going to want to do this, where they're going to take the 27% and try and sign people up on their own website and be subject to Apple's financial audits. Like There's there's no way that makes sense. And therefore, I don't see the argument for like, oh, there's a privacy implication or there's uh, Apple's going to apply this to other people now. No, it's it's not really going to happen because nobody's actually going to implement this and another thing (laughs) while while i'm on my uh, soapbox so as you know i volunteer on the wordpress plugin review team and it's a small tip of people who review the plugins that are submitted to wordpress.org and we have directory guidelines now this is a free marketplace open source volunteer run a community project with no profit incentive do we let people install third-party code onto other people's WordPress sites? No, that's against the rules. One of the things that we're very careful about is the support burden. We don't want people getting confused between their plugins and WordPress core itself and contacting us saying, this plugin tried me to make me do this thing, or there's a security problem in this plugin, or this plugin took my credit card details. They shouldn't be contacting us with that. They should be contacting the plugin author. But on WordPress, there is a confusion with the users often, especially more basic users. And I think these are the types of people who um, go unnoticed by the tech community who think that a plugin installed on their WordPress site is run by WordPress, some company that doesn't exist called WordPress. And it's the same with apps. If an app directs you to a different sign-up screen and a, and there's a different experience on the web that Apple has no control over, those people are, I think, very likely to contact Apple when there's a problem, blame Apple when their credit card details get stolen because they did it through an app.
1: I will, I'll, I'll add to that, that the moment that freedom comes where sign up processes and credit cards can be taken outside of that core ecosystem. The process gets pretty bad. The experience gets pretty horrid. I'm just, I'm thinking back to the old windows days where I would try to do something, um, just out in the open. So I agree with you that, um, when you lose that control, all kinds of bad actors can come in. I think it's from my perspective, I'll be curious how this saga continues. Will developers, get over it? Will the Vision Pro pick up? Where will
2: things go over the next couple of years for Apple for I can Apple see you're trying developers? to transition, Joshua, but I have to tell you there's still one thing that really, really bugs me, which is when people like Casey Liss and the ATP guys say, just compete, Apple. Just compete. This really gets under my skin. I really dislike this notion that Apple is being anti-competitive here and that if Apple were to just compete that then then they would do really well. I really just don't I don't think it's fair to ask Apple to compete here. Why? Because like you said, Apple invested in all of the R and D that went into building the iPhone. Apple invested into Xcode. Apple invested into Swift. Apple invested and pays for the App Store and your distribution and your updates and all of the APIs that you're using, iCloud data and all of that sort of thing in your app. And then you say to Apple, that's nice, but I want to be able to sell my app without paying you anything. Just compete. That does not make a slice of sense to me. It's not fair. And what I'm worried about is developers getting this entitlement and Apple giving them the middle finger. And then what's gonna happen is that developers, maybe they'll try out developing on Android. And I promise you this, the moment you go, Joshua, Luke, the moment you go and try to develop an app for Android, you are gonna come running back to Apple and say, please, please take my 27%, take my 30%. I cannot cope with this fractured ecosystem. I cannot deal with this mess of a language that is Flutter. And you'll be begging Apple to take your money again. So it really bugs me when people are just saying, oh, just compete, like Apple haven't invented the very, very thing that is supporting you and that you want to make money on without cutting them in.
1: I don't think that anyone is making a a, a true argument that it should only be 3%, right? Like, Even to the ATP guy's credit, I don't think that they're saying there should only be credit card processing fees and you should have the ability to develop on Apple's platform and not give Apple a cut. I don't think that's what they're saying, but I do understand your point.
2: But they are saying that, in not the way that you put it, but what they're saying is it should be possible to redirect someone to the web and take payment there and not give Apple any of that at all. And then, in that case... Apple would be getting no money from you building an app using all of their APIs, using their platform, uh, and you'd be able to make a business without giving Apple a cut.
1: I think that's a solid argument. I don't have any uh, rebuttal to that at this time.
2: Take that, Mastodon!
0: <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying makes sense. I think it's tricky because like, we're trying to define what a monopoly is. Like, Is Apple being a monopoly by saying you can't compete? with by blocking this um saudi this thing you sent about apple music spotify had me digging like sent me into this hole this morning about uh live nation and uh Ticketmaster Oh uh, Ticketmaster is their, the worst yeah and how they're a monopoly and like that like definitely feels like a monopoly because all of the um uh how does it work exactly live nation the stadiums will, like manage the stadium right
1: like they by 30-year contract something ridiculous you're more recent on this than me but i was looking into it a few months ago it's horrible
0: yeah something like that and but the the biggest kicker is when they vertically integrated with ticketmaster because then uh, maybe stadiums wanted to use some other ticket company but they're locked into this contract with live nation and live nation bought ticketmaster they said you have to use ticketmaster mm. or else we're going to drop you or we're going to you know et cetera et cetera so like that's very much monopoly because they're barring other people from using other services for no good reason other than that they have the dough whereas in this case it seems like apple is just saying you're literally using our tools and wanting to do something else to get around our thing right i don't know yeah and I, what they are I, saying that is feels different the web is open
1: go go in safari and you can have people sign up and use that but if you want our native apis um you need to pay up
0: yeah so that doesn't feel like monopoly i mean eventually if, if it gets to the point where they're the only game in town in computing then
2: yeah then it doesn't matter if you're using their stuff or not
0: right right exactly.
2: but they're but they're
0: not you can use android so and microsoft still owns the office space so yeah yeah it's not going to be a monopoly for a while still um speaking of well we're not really speaking of anything complete shift <laughs> slack has a new interface
2: you've got to work on your segways man Dude, it's so hard, man. You can do, I, I always
0: made fun of people, but you can do a cold segue if
1: you have nothing else. That's totally fine. Uh, um, but you, I I love seeing that moment in your eyes where you're debating with this, which way you're going to run the segue. It's so fun. So uh, I, I take just a little panic. It.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> well, we're still talking about software, so it all, speaking of it software, it still counts. Yeah, Slack <laughs> has a new interface. What what, what do you do about Did, that, Josh?
1: I, I almost feel like we talked about this last week, but I think we were just about to go into it, right? Did we? Did we talk we about I don't think we hit it. No, we didn't hit it. All right. Um, Slack, <laughs> it's interesting thinking of, I still imagine Slack as this little player fighting against Microsoft Teams, but they were purchased by Salesforce. Like, they're, they are not the little guy anymore. It's all kind of interesting. But they just came out with a new design uh, attempt last week where when you want to go through your unreads, you can swipe right to read them. <laughs> I'm just laughing saying it because it's fascinating. It's basically Tinder for your Slack messages. And um, I saw it, and it just made me a little bit like, uh, where are they going with this? This is this should be one of those experiments that they flag for 10% of their, their users. Why did this get released to me? So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just You're not 10% Josh? Uh, yeah, it, it's public now. Um, uh. w- I don't know if this will be something that I'll use, but it's interesting to see such an entrenched player trying something like this. And I'm just bringing it up as it's interesting. I don't know if I have a take on it yet. Do you like the
2: Slack redesign, by the way? Do you have a take (sighs) on that? You're a designer, you kind of have to. At first,
1: I hated it. Um, They went from this very clear uh, two-panel layout where you – it can be three, but let's just say two for the sake of describing this, where you see your channels, uh, your different threads or groups that you're in on the left, and on the right you see the messages. They still have that, but they've kind of changed the information architecture where they're trying to take you to a home area first to see what's happening. And that makes it really hard for me to actually function in slack because the way i've used it is i go through each unread section i tap on it i'll look at it i'll mark again as unread if i need to or i'll clear it out i'll respond and i have a very methodical way of handling that they're almost trying to change it into this algorithmic uh type of language which probably works for larger audiences frankly where they're spinning up to you what they view as most important um you're not missing anything technically so uh short answer is I just try to get the, every time my app goes and shows me that new interface, I just tap on a little button to take me to the old one. But it's probably one of those things where it will increase engagement, but I just find myself
0: frustrated because I like using it the old way. How many people use Slack in a sense where they need to boost engagement? I mean, it feels like most people just use it for work and it's like, you're going to use it for what work requires and you're not going to use it for what it doesn't. Do people use it recreationally like discord as much? I guess it – to your question, I don't know.
1: It's it's used for business. It's used for small businesses, for enterprise. They are losing the game, if Ben Thompson's take on it is correct, against Microsoft Teams. Like you just said earlier, Microsoft has won the office space, right? And if you're in a large corporation, they have Microsoft. They – Oh, well, Teams is included. Just use that. Why would we pay extra for Slack? So I, I I view this as Slack's attempt to make themselves more enticing for companies to continue to use them or maybe to grow outside of the big monster that is uh, Teams, which is taking over.
0: So I don't know. It's interesting. Huh, cool. Well, speaking of big monsters, we got something <laughs> here from Disney uh v- <laughs> vr floors uh, from disney I've, I've got a question
1: uh, who- for you luke Uh sorry i've, I've
0: cut yeah. off your thingy <laughs>
1: that's all i had okay um <laughs> i wonder if you enjoy uh figuring out right on the fly what it's like or if you've uh ever considered maybe coming in early <laughs> and looking at the links it's kind of fun to see you uh, we can cut this out but i'm curious if you like the the instant take or if you if that's stressful for you <laughs>
0: i do kind of like the instant take although i probably arguably should come in and read the links um that would make my segues better once we're all making money off this we'll 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 read we'll re- uh,
1: evaluate our time on it
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah 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 that sounds good to me
1: all right so th- there's a link in here which we'll put into the show notes i highly recommend both of you if you haven't seen this just tap on the link and skip halfway through and watch even five seconds of this you don't need to have any audio it is this new floor that disney research has created that moves you on the floor any direction it is amazing it's this floor composed of a bunch of tiny little pieces that almost robotically can manipulate someone on the floor and the uses they're not sure yet they're just creating it for their disney entertainment arm and um yeah if you are listening to this on the podcast just press pause and take a look at this link it's so fascinating That the idea of you are standing still, but you're moving about, or if you're walking with a VR headset, you can walk in any infinite directions, but you're staying in the same spot. It's, uh, it's just kind of mind blowing what they've built here.
0: What? How is it moving them around? Is it they have not released it, a your full how
1: to like they haven't really broken down how it's happening yet. They just gave a little sneak peek about this yesterday, I think. Um, so I think each individual
2: little piece is somehow
1: rotating to move you, but I'm not sure yet.
2: So, as a big VR nerd, let me just weigh in on Please. this because we've had omnidirectional treadmills for a while, and I'm not talking about the slippery surface ones. I'm talking about a treadmill that can move in x and y axes. And this isn't that, but it's a similar idea. At the end of the day, what I've what I understand from people's experience on these treadmills is that even if you're able to walk in place, it never feels like the real thing. If your body isn't moving through space, your inner ear isn't registering the same style of movement and it always feels kind of awkward exactly there's no inertia to it so as cool as it is that you look like you're walking and the floor below you moves so that you stay in the same spot it it doesn't really work in vr in the way that you imagine it might
1: do you think then per- that this is more of a use case for green screens to be able to create sound stages? Is that what when you look at this is that where your head goes then if you don't think it could work well for VR?
2: I know, even then the you can even see in this video from what I understand of the omnidirectional treadmills even with those the walking style you can't just walk like you would in real life. There there are two problems here. One is The treadmill or the floor doesn't understand which direction you're trying to walk in and it doesn't understand how fast you want to go. So imagine you're running. Imagine you're running north as fast as you can go and then you want to come to a complete stop. It doesn't know. It can't anticipate that you're about to come to a complete stop. So what happens when you just stop moving your legs? That's a good point. Now that you mentioned that, I was rewatching it, and
1: you can see they're doing this like little shuffle, like someone who's worried they're going to slip on ice. Is yes. that because their inner ear is struggling with how the floor is behaving?
2: No, no. It's because that's it's nothing to do with the inertia of the inner ear. It's just that it requires a different kind of balanced walking. Walking is just different on these types of surfaces. And so it doesn't look real, and it doesn't feel real. It is cool... In that you can traverse Skyrim infinitely, but you can only traverse it sl- walking slowly. If you have a bar maybe you can to hold on to, you can pick up the pace, but then that reduces immersion. Uh, it's just, I don't think there's a, it's a cool tech demo, but I don't think there's a future there.
0: It has me like wondering if you can, if it, maybe in the future they'd play with tilting it slightly or something to kind of... But that wouldn't even, that still wouldn't mess with your ears inertia. It would still and at the end of the yeah, day it doesn't know your either.
2: intention it can't change directions w- suddenly with you
0: well maybe AI could like analyze your body movements in the you know let's say 10 years down the road AI could be good enough to analyze yeah. your motions and anticipate but yeah maybe yeah either way well, it's cool to see how the overlords will uh, you know lock us into a digital <laughs>
2: box at some point <laughs> soon
0: <laughs> um, Sadia you're using stage manager
2: now Oh yeah. Question mark? Yeah, I'm definitely using Stage Manager on my Mac and on my iPad full time. I'm surprised. I didn't use it for the longest time and then I sort of adopted it and I've kind of kept it. You know the thing that always stops me from using it is the waste of screen space. It is a bit of a waste of screen space because I've only ever got four or five apps open at any one time. And so Stage Manager on my on the right hand side of my screen has got a lot of desktop space at the top and bottom of my app listing and that's kind of annoying but aside from that i found it kind of helpful kind of good especially with the right hand side dock so that i can have on the left stage manager on on the right the dock it seems like you're getting closer to a vertical screen view just Ooh. T- the
0: TikTok uh, is taken over the reels are taken over yeah, you're maybe squeezing out your edges shot. and
2: my monitor does rotate. Maybe <laughs> I should try it.
0: <laughs> there it is. There's a really funny video from uh, shoot. It probably came out in like 2008 or something, like the golden era of YouTube. And it was this whole like a couple puppets going on this big long spiel about how vertical screens are taking over and are going to like it's going to cause people to crane their necks in movie theaters and like die of broken you know broken necks you know that kind of whole thing. It's the video aged well. I need to. Maybe we'll put that in the show. No, it's like one of those things I watched when I was 12. And so I don't know how good it actually is. I need to go back and rewatch it. maybe we'll throw it in the show notes. Throw it in the show notes. And we can either laugh at you or at the video. (laughs) All righty. Fair enough. Um, A couple more things here on the docket. Um, I really should read these notes ahead of time. But I see something here about Obsidian. I'm going
1: to start throwing in the most obscure sentences that will make <laughs> zero context
0: without reading the link. I think that'll
1: be kind of I'm going to go
0: for it. I'm going to go for it. Okay, so what is this?
2: Oh, this it's one's got Saudi my name died. next to
0: it. This one's for you, Sadia. Yeah. yeah.
2: There he is. I think that you put it in the list, Joshua, but I put it on the agenda for today because I did pre-read the link. And I thought it was great. I love a good manifesto. Sometimes a manifesto can be a bit cliché as often is the case with base camp and hay and things like that but i do love a good manifesto it actually do you remember as a little quick little aside you don't remember luke maybe you've researched it but do you remember joshua when we were teenagers the hackers manifesto that was the first uh, I, manifesto i ever read oh this sounds familiar i think i've heard of it it sounds familiar been too long probably man if you go back and read it you want to talk about like cringe things that don't age well it is it is the most uh teenage cringy thing i've ever read but at the time i loved this thing uh anyway i love a good manifesto and obsidian which is an ipad app and a mac app
1: it's also mac um it you can use it on just about every uh, level of apple device uh but yeah go for it i i, I, I I'm almost wondering if this one's even worth talking about because I don't remember why I put it in there other than wanting to talk about Obsidian, but go for it.
2: Well, I was just going to say that I really like their manifesto. There's like a bunch of really clear points. And I've always been unsure about adopting Obsidian. And the main reason why is because I don't want files on my system that rely on some third party software that is no longer produced 10 years from now right i want my files to be in plain text or markdown or something like that that's going to last last the test of time and so i've never really tried obsidian before but then i read their manifesto and i see that actually the data being future proof and text based is really important to them and privacy is really important to them and i see a bunch of things in there that i can relate to so it was the manifesto that convinced me to give it a go so it's just a
0: a notes app question mark oh all right let's give a little. no that's
1: a good point let's give a little context for our listeners who maybe don't know what obsidian is there is this whole world of apps which you can almost think of like second brains that their i their function is to take a bunch of notes and figure out a way to organize them for you in a way that you can refer to them later and maybe in obsidian's case what they've done is they create you can create connections between notes and you can view them in a very visual almost like brain neuron way where you can see how all the notes tag together and obsidian has been kind of creating the uh, they've been at the forefront of this way of thinking and i have tried to use them several times i've it my brain does not work that way though so I haven't been able to kind of sit on it yet but I love them as a company I love what they're trying and I still (laughs) maybe referring back to the Slack conversation I still do stuff in a relatively old boring manual way right where I think about a linear level a bunch of notes in a note stock, and I go through them one by one Uh, but Obsidian's got some really cool stuff going on and I really, when I put in notes in the future into our show notes, I should put in a little line like why I put it in there, because there's something about the manifesto that I thought was awesome a couple of weeks ago.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, fair enough. Well, uh, I'll shoot. I'll give it a shot. I love new software, so we'll, uh, listeners, give it a little go, try it out, write us an email and let us know how it went. Um. Okay, Artifact (laughs) shuts down. You give me nothing. (laughs) There's not even a link for this. All right, so Artifact, it
1: was created by the uh, founders of Instagram. They left Meta. They went and started their own company last year, and they came out with this news organization. Uh, It's an app for reading news that they just shut down last week, and I I think it was kind of insightful what they said was uh, basically – they had some good stuff going on with it, but it wasn't doing very well. So they'd rather just let it die and go try something else again. And I had a kind of a gentleman's bet with a friend that uh, they would last a year. His bet was they would not. And they shut down at 11 months. So I was huh. a little peeved at that he was so right. and <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> I really – I had it on my to-do list where – I was about to go gloat to him in February that I won, and then in January, they shut down. So- <laughs>
0: You had it on your to-do list. That's some kind of karma right there, that's funny.
1: I did. Um, I, it was an interesting idea. I think they they were really trying something out, but what the thing they were missing was the network effect, that you really had to use it a ton before it became valuable, so you had to put weeks of usage into this before you would go tell someone else about it. Um, so it's interesting idea that they have unlimited amounts of money, and they wanted to try this out, and they decided to kill it, and they'll try again. That was, yeah, it's kinda cool just to see a company do this really quickly.
2: It wasn't network effects that killed them, it was ads. They they were unable to create a news experience without ads, and at the end of the day, the news websites are just incentivized to plaster ads everywhere they possibly can, because that's their main money-making uh, avenue. One of the takes I saw was they basically
1: just did a better job at writing headlines than the news organizations. So I I think that's a good point.
2: Apple Hmm. News is similarly terrible with ads, and I barely read any news because of it. I wish I read more news. If you want to win in this space, create an app that somehow sends money to news organizations and pays journalists while at the same time not showing me any ads, I I would read that. Yeah. I Man. guess that's what Mastodon is, if you follow the right sort of hashtags.
1: And that's where I pay, for instance, for Stratechery, right, for on a very specific vertical. I pay a little bit of money every month to hear his takes and his quote-unquote news on tech. But it's not general
2: news. It's very focused news, and I'm happy yeah. to pay for that how do you get local news like people i heard about uh, like a hurricane in Cairns, which is you know my brother lives or lived in that city uh he just moved but i didn't even know about this hurricane until i texted my brother and said hey how you doing and he's oh we haven't had power for four days so like how do i get that kind of news without ads great question Uh, someone figure it out yeah wow shucks isn't that kind of what substack
0: is um subscription news Or is that just more for, like, journalists and writers in
2: general? I think it's more opinion pieces on Substack. Ah, gotcha. If someone knows about an Australian news, Substack. Or uh, somehow, if someone's doing local news on Substack. But then again, we can't use Substack because they support Nazis. We don't do Substack anymore.
1: Actually, this wasn't on the topic, but I've been thinking of... (laughs) i've been like thinking about medium and substack quite a bit this has been one um do you have a take on that sadia i'm struggling with how to approach this like it's an evil thing that exists on substack we both come from the wordpress space where if you have wordpress.org you can pretty much do whatever you want if you're hosting on your own platform uh yeah do you have a take on
2: that yeah if you want to write evil things, you should have to host on your own platform. Uh, the Substack is a private company. There is absolutely nothing stopping them from kicking people off, and they should take a stand. What do you think? Is there any good
1: faith argument other than money for why they have been so reluctant to basically get rid of the Nazi content?
2: You, you tell me.
1: I don't know. I'm uh, all right. The good faith argument I've heard is this libertarian view of let let freedom reign and the the truth will win. But um, I don't think with certain types of content that you can do that. I think you have to have some restrictions I don't know. That's why it wasn't really on our topic thing, but I am struggling with like I don't really want to read anything from Substack anymore, and um, even Casey Newton was one of the big players in the tech space that last week he decided to move off, and I think that might have been a bellwether for others. We'll see what happens.
2: Ben Thompson talks about how the scale of the internet allows you to find communities of like minded people, which is a fantastic thing. Except that now people with ideas that are outside social norms are able to find other people with those same ideas. And maybe that's a great thing. You know, certainly like social norms around homosexuality in the past have been not great. And so you want to be able to do that. And so good, internet, great, thank you. But also it allows pedophiles and Nazis to find each other online and not only find each other but help each other feel like what they think is okay and it's not okay we have these social norms for a reason and so it's the responsibility of private platforms to limit this kind of speech and you know let the internet be used as a tool in more difficult ways by these people to try and find each other but it shouldn't be easy
1: I think that's a fantastic take. I actually have been th- <laughs> thinking about an old Captain America comic. You know, Captain America, you know, made by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, who started their career, I think, shortly after World War II or maybe during. And they would have Captain America punching Nazis. Uh, they're like, well, uh, he stands for what's right and good, but there are certain things that you just got to get in there and. <laughs> clean up the, the 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 horribleness and i think there's an element of certain things in this horrible world we live in have to be met with force and that goes against my pacifist views in general of allow love to win everywhere but there's there's certain things that while we're in this planet you have to take a stand so yeah
2: i agree with you not to get too deep but you know, i think that you need to show love and acceptance to everyone except for the people who refuse to lo- show love and acceptance to others. Yeah.
0: I think, yeah, I agree with you both. I, I do think it-, it can get very gray very quickly, though, because we- now we're dealing with definitions, and definitions can change. And, you know, I-, I don't know. I If I were to, somebody cancel me, but if I were to, like, lay down i i would think it depends on the scale of your of your platform um the whole debate over twitter twitter being kind of the the internet's town square like they became big enough that it was mm. if you were censored on twitter you were essentially censored on the internet is kind of the the argument that was being made and so then people were making the argument that okay twitter needs to follow the same statutes of freedom of speech that our constitution the american constitution etc does um and so you end up with saying okay all speech is permissible unless it is directly violent or directly infringing on someone else's right of freedom property safety etc right so um in that case that kind of speech would be permissible but only in the sense that like i don't know i'm out of context i don't exactly know what the whole debate what, what the content is that's being contested on Substack, but i do typically subscribe to the notion that like the answer to bad speech is more speech and the cooler heads will prevail um now you get into trouble when there's echo chambers and and people don't the good speech isn't allowed to prevail the good speech isn't allowed to be seen or not 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 that it's not allowed to be but it's just that it isn't seen right in that echo chamber of bad speech i think the the line
1: that i'm pretty comfortable with because i agree with you more speech wins right um when there's advocation for violence that's where i think that should be not allowed where absolutely, if you yeah. have someone writing or trying to, say, do violence against another person, that's where it should stop. There is questions like, um, let's go back a little bit further. Was that a violent intent? But there are some statements that are so clearly violent and they shouldn't
0: be. Yeah, they should not. Oh, be and wrong. they're not taken down. Uh, okay. See, I don't know what the context is it, for this uh, c- circumstance. But I was speaking about that, in generality. Yeah, go ahead, Sadia.
2: The part that's missing in the conversation here, though, is that although we have freedom of speech, in America anyway, Uh, there's no freedom of reach, right? So, first of all, Twitter is a private company. They don't own the internet. They don't have any sort of monopoly power, especially these days on the town square of the world or something. That's rubbish, uh, in my view. Uh, They should be able to police what they want and when they want and however they want. They should be able to take anybody down at any time for no reason at all because they're a private company and they have that power legally. So no, I mean that, that's that. But when we talk about freedom of speech and Substack, sure, if you want to say freedom of speech is a thing, that's fine. But but there's also the internet boosts the visibility of your speech in a way that has never been possible before. And you know the common saying is freedom of speech, not freedom of reach. And so just you can say anything you want, but that doesn't mean you should be allowed to publish it on the internet. Also it's just just as another aside it's not always so clear what is violence and what is violent speech and what is violent intent for mm-hmm. example i if you look at the history of the phrase from the river to the sea that is an inherently genocidal violent phrase that i take deep deep offense at hearing but mm-hmm. it's being plastered all across the internet and a, a, across protest signs and all sorts of things all over the world right now. And nobody's calling that violent speech, but it is. So who gets to decide what's violent speech and what isn't?
1: That gets into questions of, uh, right, it's something a dog whistle, which in racism, you'll have a a politician get up and make a statement that on its face seems fine, but has undertones that are recognized in certain communities as clearly intended as violence or hate, right? And Mm. then um, if I'm from that that sub-community, I see that, and that is terrifying, right? Because I know what that actually means, even—and I'm saying this as a very privileged white man, right? (laughs) Cis white man— but uh, th- there is this undertone of if you understand it to dog whistle, then it is being
0: used in a not a good way. Well, and I, but and this is the tricky part is that saying who gets to define violent speech goes both ways. It can end up over censoring and it can end up under censoring. And so I, man, I, and so I've at the very least, seen it go
2: both ways. It's complicated, but at the very least, you can kick the open Nazis off of your platform. <laughs> It's not that hard. (laughs) I think that's something we can all agree on. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunate for
0: Substack. All righty. Well, you know, I think that about wraps up everything uh, we were planning to talk about today. Uh, Definitely got into the weeds a little bit, but I enjoyed it. It Some fun, fun, theological, philosophical conversation there. Um, As always, we would love to hear from you guys. We would love to hear... uh, Man, I, okay, I have this thing where I refuse to say you guys because I just feel like a YouTuber and I just did it. Oh yeah, I, I yeah. hate myself for it. I, I don't say it anymore <laughs> either. You people, wait—that's you people, Wait, that's all you I'm people. people. You no, people no. Please email us, smash <laughs> like you and subscribe, you people. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean, you people? Well, that's a throwback to a movie we can't <clears throat> can't make again. Um, write us an email at email at ultrapromax.fm. We would love to hear from you generally editing this people. podcast luke i know i <laughs> i've been screenshotting and i i th- how many screenshots do i have i'm curious this will be a fun stat um one two three four five six oh seven, eight, nine, i 10, 11, 12, the 30, screenshot 30, 15, shows you the timestamp. yep yep i have 16. 16 edits honestly that's not the worst it could be worse all right well anyways before we rack up 17 uh that'll be it uh, thank you all so much for joining us write us an email let us know what you think and uh give us some suggestions for future podcasts which you want to listen to uh, and with that we will see you next time thanks so much for listening